You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Claret and Blue. Uh, we've lined up another special guest for you this week. It's the one, the only, Andy Vyman. How are you, Andy? I'm doing good, thanks, yeah. I'm, I'm doing all right. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, I know that we've kind of managed to, to, to get hold of you because you're, well, we're all, the whole whole world's on lockdown at the moment, but you're, um, I don't know, convalescent, I suppose, at the moment, recovering. You, you've done your ACL, haven't you? Yeah, I did it um, just all, nearly three weeks ago now, yeah. I had my, my surgery 11 days ago. So yeah, I'm still still at home, so I'm free all day. I'm just lying on the sofa, really. I was going to ask, what does, a normal, what does a normal day at home look like then for you? I know the kids are at school. To be honest, at the minute, it's pretty boring. I'm literally icing my knee every every two hours and, and trying to read books or watch telly. Um, my daughter's only two, so she's only going to nursery three days a week. So yesterday she was at home, so that's a little bit busier. Um, and then obviously when my son comes home from school, then that's when, when the work starts really. But like I say, at the minute, I can't do much. So it's my wife who's doing all the work. So I'm, I'm just watching. Right, we're going to take you right back to the beginning Andy, when you were a young boy in Austria, was it always football from the moment you could walk? Um, I think so, yes. I think um, my parents used to do athletics. Um, so when I was about five, six, I started doing that a little bit, to be fair. But um, my dad used to then play semi-professional football when I was born. So to be fair, from the moment I was like two years old, I was always on the football pitch. And to tell me I always had a ball in my hand. So yeah, I was always really into football and I think it was about six or seven when I then started joining the club. What athletics did you, your mum and dad do? What were their main disciplines? Um, they both did hurdles. So I think women is 100 metres and men's is 110 metres. So both of them did, did that same discipline. In terms of parents then, were they kind of quite pushy and competitive? Uh, did they kind of have, have high standards for you? or No, I wouldn't say they were pushy. I think... Yeah, once I said I wanted to be a footballer, they obviously said I have to like dedicate myself to it if I really want it. But there was never like really a point where they said, No, you have to do this. It was always like if I want it, if I if I enjoy doing it, then obviously go for it. Was there ever a kind of fallback option for you? If you weren't gonna make the grade as a professional footballer, would you were you still kind of were you good at school? Was there anything else that you're interested in? I think I was quite good in school, to be honest. I was always quite clever in school and got quite good grades. But obviously, I came to England when I was 15, so I had to leave school in Austria. And from that moment, to be fair, it was all about football. Um, I'd like to think if it wouldn't have worked out, I would have been clever enough to, to get a decent job. But I haven't really thought about what job that would have been, to be honest. In terms of you playing football for a team for the first time, were you always a centre forward? Not really. Um, I remember when I was about, I was always on the wing to be honest to start with because I was like one of the quickest. So I was just running up and down when I was younger. Um, and then in Austria, you start about when you're about 12, 13 years old, you start getting into like, obviously, I'm from Vienna. So, like in Austria, there's nine different kind of areas that you play against. It's like Vienna, Corinthians, one, like different, like you got in England, the West Midlands or East Midlands. So you, you get like the best players from, from that area and play against each other. And I actually started off as a, a centre-half. I think, again, I think that was actually, obviously because everyone was pretty much the same height. It was more like, because I was one of the quickest at the back. 
And I remember then there was one game when our striker was injured and I went up front and I scored four goals. And literally from, from that moment, uh, I played up front, yeah. Do you think playing centre-half even for a small amount of time, has that helped you in a way? Because you kind of understand that position as well, the, the position that you're up against. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I think, to be honest, over the years I've played pretty much every position, I think. So I think I've got that understanding of how, how football works, that I can play any position, but... I think centre-half will be a bit too much for me right now. So tell us about, you know, as fans, we imagine, we, we like to think that our football club has got scouts in every single corner of the globe looking at all the talent. But how does how does a, a young lad from, from Austria suddenly find his, find his way to Birmingham? How it happened was I played for, I think it was Austria, I don't know if it was on the 15s or 16s. And I remember my agent, he's, he's not my agent now, I don't want to switch agent couple of years ago but he was my agent for like near 15 years he um he called the house phone like my parents house phone i don't know how he got the number but um he basically said yeah that he's involved with aston villa that they've they've asked him if if i to see me at that tournament for austria in the 16s and obviously in austria you got the winter break so if I was interested just for a week in January when I'm on holiday, like to come and have a week's trial. And then my my parents being sportsmen, they said like, you've got nothing to lose, just just go for it, have a week there and, and see what it's like if you like it. And yeah, that's how it started really. I came over for a week and really enjoyed it. And I think we had a game at the end of it and I did did pretty well. And, and they said, if I want to sign pretty much there and then. And be honest now, did you know much about Aston Villa? No, no, to be honest, I didn't. Um, I think I was probably just getting to that age where I then started watching more TV and started watching the Premier League. Because in Austria, it's more, obviously, you see the German Bundesliga and the Austrian League was probably the two leagues that, that you really see on TV. And it wasn't until like Sky kind of came out that you, you could watch the Premier League. Um, so obviously, I knew that the, like, Manchester United and Liverpool's but about Aston Villa I didn't really know that many players to be honest um, but obviously once I've had the trial I then looked into it. So talk us through what it's like so as a 15 year old 15 year old boy and you're coming across to, to England had you been to England before at all? I hadn't no never so I remember before I started um, before the week before pre-season started as a first year scholar we went to London for a week, so we had like a week's holiday in London just to to see London, and then and then got a train to Birmingham, and obviously then I started training like the next day. Yeah. So did your parents come over with you the first time, or just stick you on a plane? Yeah, no, they came. My parents and my brother came for the week in in London, and then I think they were here for probably a couple of days when I started. But obviously, I was at, I was at Diggs straight away, so um, they were here, and then I think in the first year it was something like. My parents had four or five free flights back over to like visit me and I had four or five back home. So I probably saw them every couple of months. So it wasn't like I was literally gone. I was I was always coming back home as well. So what it must have been a bit of a bit of a culture shock. I've been lucky enough to go to Vienna a couple of times, actually with Villa in Europe. Um for lovely lovely city, lovely architecture and stuff. What what was your what were your first impressions of Birmingham? Um yeah, no, I think people always say to me how oh, beautiful Vienna is, but I think because I'm from the city, it's like I'm used to it, so I don't see it see it that way, to be honest. Um, 
yeah, Birmingham. I love it. <laughs> obviously, I still, I still live in Solihull now, so obviously, I'm really, really close to uh, like the area. But it's not the prettiest of cities, should we say that? But it's um, it's obviously like really close to my heart. So yeah, I've, I've had a great time since I've, I've come here. So when when you first arrived, who did you lodge with? Did they put you with kind of a landlady and some of the uh, the, other, the other lads? Yes, we, I, I went to like a digs, yeah. And do you remember Dominic Hofbauer? I remember the name. Remember the name, the... yeah. So he, he came from Austria as well at the same time as me. So we signed at the same time. So I think that probably made it a little bit easier because obviously I had someone there who, well, he's from Austria and I was, I was able to speak German with and we lived at the same dig. So that's obviously the one I hang out the most with. I know you've been here probably, what, half your life now. I kind of see you as a bit of an adopted brummy anyway. So did you just kind of settle in quickly? Because I know you became friends with, with the likes of Adam McGurk, I think, and Barry Bannon and, and Kieran and, and Mark. Did it feel natural or did you, did you get homesick at first? No, it did, to be fair. I think, like you say, it's it literally, there's not one point where I looked back and thought, oh, I want to go back home or I don't like it. Um yeah, from the moment I came here, I really, really enjoyed it. And like I say, I'm, I met my wife here in, and I still my house isn't in, in Dorridge by Solihull. So I'm, I'm still in the area and I've made great friends over the years. And yeah, there's not one point where I'd say I regret my decision coming here at all. So tell us what, what life's like as a kind of, as a, as a young lad coming through the academy. What, what What's a day like? Is it kind of, did you still have to pick up a bit of schooling over here after training and that kind of thing? Yeah, a normal day was like I think it was like eight thirty in the morning. We'd we'd get picked up from like some Coldfield. There'd be a minibus picking us up, taking us to training, and then obviously before training, we'd have to to clean all the boots for the first team players, um, get ready like the balls or bibs or whatever they needed for training, um, and then yeah, two days a week we had college. I think it was, it was like a Tuesday or Thursday afternoon, um, for two or three hours. At, can't remember but um yeah we had to do that and yeah it was quite long days to be fair so I was it was like I think we were in from nine o'clock to pretty much three four o'clock in the afternoon after we finished everything so yeah it took up most of our time anyway so we weren't that bored at home to be honest that is a long day for a footballer you're only normally used to working two hours <laughs> isn't it? exactly exactly that's it now two hours max <laughs> whose boots did you have to clean but I was actually I had to clean the coach's boots like the under 18s article uh, clean Tony McAndrews I remember um, and it was the other one I can't remember the other one to be honest it was, I remember it was Tony McAndrew and then it was like another coach so I didn't have a players unfortunately they had a rule didn't they the, the youth team coaches that you could only have black football boots anyway when you were in the academy is that right yeah so everyone had to wear black boots and I remember we like I was getting sent boots from Nike and obviously you can't really choose what colour they send you. So I had to, a couple of times, a few of the boys as well had to get like the marker pens and, and black them out and or the, what's it called, the boot vanish and, and try and get get them all black. And so they're allowed, we're allowed to train in them. That's brilliant, that is. You've got this idea of all you being kind of flash, flash young things and you're actually colouring in your football boots with a marker pen. Love that. Yeah. No, to be fair, in the youth team, I think we had, it was it was good. I think obviously we had Tony Maganjo and he was, not strict, but he he had his ideas what we should do and stuff. And I think that's how, well, most of my youth team, we've all kind of still playing now, I think, in the league. So, obviously, it's, it's still is in very good stead, obviously, for the future, I think. You're talking about 2005, are you? Something like that? 2004, 5? 6, I think it was. 
2006. So would it have been Martin O'Neill yeah. would have been in charge by then of the first team? Or? Yeah, Martin O'Neill was the manager, yeah. And what was it like being a, around the group of first team players? Because there'd, there'd still been some big players there, wouldn't there? Uh, yeah, my, like my first year when I came, I was, I was, that was when the, I think my first season there, the first year was where we finished, obviously we finished six, but I think it was the season, I don't know if you remember, it was like, March time or something, they were still in fourth, so it was really close to getting the Champions League. So obviously we had all like big players like like John Carew was there, Ashley Young, Gav Barry was still there, Petrov. So yeah, really really big players, and obviously that was brilliant just just watching them. And then I think in my second season was when I then started training with them a little bit. So that was obviously that was amazing. We've asked a few people who we've had on if they remember what their first paycheck was and what they what they spent it on. Can you remember the first time that you kind of thought, actually, I'm earning money as a footballer now. I'm gonna gonna go and have a go splash out on something. Um, well, I think as a scholar, I think I might be wrong, but I think it was ninety pound a week. I think <laughs> the first one. I think so. Yeah, well, then, again, we lived that dig, so I had nothing to spend my money on, to be honest. I remember the only t- the only things we spent it on was a, do you remember Blockbuster? We used to go um, we used to go and get some DVDs and pick a mix for the digs and, and watch that. That was pretty much all we did, to be honest, because the training came home and sat in the room playing PlayStation or watching DVDs. <laughs> That's brilliant. So when when was it that you, f- you felt that you were making strides, you were doing well with the, the youth team and the reserves? When did you feel like you had kind of really got a chance of, of, of breaking through? I think I had a, a taste in my second year when we went to the Peace Cup. Obviously, there was a lot of injuries and there was a lot of young players playing there. And obviously, I remember one game I'll always remember is um, we played Juventus in the final and like, I started and obviously we, we won on penalties in the end. So like that, that was a great, great day for me personally because I think I was only like 17. Um, but then pretty much after that, I didn't really, wasn't really involved again once the season started. And then it was the following pre-season, I think Martin O'Neill then left and um, obviously Kev, Kev McDonald took over and he, he was obviously the one I was with in the reserves for the last three, four years. And, he, he gave me my debut then on the like first day of the season, and, and yeah, obviously that was an amazing day. I can't have you mentioning the Peace Cup and that final without. Uh, do you remember Del Piero's penalty? Yeah, I remember he rolled it rolled it down the middle, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> Guzan saved it. Uh, no, that was brilliant because I think we had so many young players playing that we obviously no one expected us to win there. Um, they had like you said Del Piero. I think Buffon played. Camavanese, so they had like brilliant players playing. So I think when we looked across from and walking out, we're thinking this could be tough. <laughs> but um, obviously, finished nil nil, I think it was, and then we won on penalties. So yeah, that was a great experience. I just remember seeing um, seeing Barry Bannon at the airport with really bad sunburn, and you're all winding him up. He got like this big bright red face. <laughs> Oh yeah, he always does that to me. Every time he's in the sun, he gets like sunburn on his nose. Fast forward, it was the the following summer. Martin O'Neill's gone. Kev's placed in temporary charge. Um, did you get like a minute or two at the end against that? I think Villa beat West Ham, didn't they, on the opening day? It was West Ham. Yeah, I think it was the last three minutes or something. I think we were three 0 up, and I remember as Ashley Young came on for. Um, yeah, obviously I'll never forget that day. It was brilliant. Uh, even though it was only three or four minutes, it was, yeah, just a great, great experience. On the night, 
because a couple of you made your debuts all out on the lash down um, meet you and Barry got a round of champagne. I think he played one minute in the Premier League and he brought a round of champagne to virtually the whole club. Were you there that night? I can't remember. Um, probably. <laughs> if he was there. But, um, I, can't, I can't remember that, to be honest. Um, but yeah, if he says... That I was probably there, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I won't. I won't pry too much about your kind of your nights out and stuff. But where where would you have used to hang around with with the lads at, at that age? Yeah, probably that was the nightclub to go to if we went out. It was probably me too. Um, and then obviously we all lived around Sutton, so I think it was Apple back in the day. It was called by Mia Green, was it? Um, where we like if we went for like a beer or two. I think that was uh, the places we we went to, yeah. So who be- who became your best mates amongst that group when when it didn't work out for for Dominic? I think there's there's a few of us to be honest. We're still in regular contact now. Obviously, there's like you've mentioned Baz, and then there's obviously uh, Mark, uh, Gary Clark, James Collins. Is it Luton now? Not not Ginger James Collins, uh, yeah. the younger one. Yeah, all all of Adam McGurk. You mentioned him earlier. He's he's still in our our. We've got like a WhatsApp group chat. So, yeah, that's probably the five, six who, who we still speak to now and I'm still close friends with. And so we've gone from that West Ham game to you playing a couple of minutes and then it was um, it was the homecoming, wasn't it, that didn't quite go according to plan when you back, back to Rapid Vienna. And um, go on, you, you you tell us, talk us through your, your memories of that game. Yeah, obviously, you've obviously gone from the high on the Saturday to making your debut and then four days later, we went to Vienna and then my whole family was there for that one. And again, I think it was like the 80th minute I came on. Um, I think it was the 82nd minute I got stretched off, um, which obviously wasn't nice. Uh, I think I had done my ankle ligaments and then I was out for like four or five months. So obviously it was, yeah, from being up there pretty low again straight four days later. Your own fans had started kind of throwing stuff on there and spitting and stuff like that. Was that, <laughs> well, that kind of been nice? No, it wasn't. Obviously, I was obviously very disappointed that I got injured in the first place. Obviously, then getting stuff thrown at you was nice, but I don't. I didn't have anything to do with me being Austrian or anything. I think they were just crazy. Um, he would have done it to anyone, to be honest. I think when I was younger, I used to you go and watch the games there and, and be in that stand and stuff. So the the atmosphere is great, but yeah, there's a few who had take it too far a few times, I think. Obviously, at the time, I didn't know how bad the injury was, but then when we landed back in England, obviously, I had, like, a scan and stuff, and I pretty much ruptured every ligament in my ankle, I think. Um, and obviously, I needed surgery. So, yeah, like I say, from, like, within four days from making your Premier League debut to then being told you're, you're out for, well, until January, pretty much. Obviously, it wasn't, wasn't nice. And what did your parents and your family say to you after that game? Yeah, they were they were gutted obviously because they all literally I think there's about twenty people there watching the game and obviously it wasn't nice for them as well seeing seeing stuff getting thrown at me and stuff so they were all disappointed but yeah there's obviously nothing you can do after that it's just about getting fit again they weren't throwing stuff were they so, I don't know maybe I've not asked them that actually they might have once you got fit again did you have to kind of go out on loan then is yeah, that when you so, went to- yeah so I think obviously I was nineteen at the time and then obviously Kevin like left and then Julio came in I wasn't fit to, to train or anything until about I think it was the start of January I started playing a couple of reserve games again and yeah Watford I think they were interested in August I think to take me on loan and uh, yeah I just tried to get fit played a few reserve games and it was Malcolm Mackay was the manager at the time and obviously yeah, I, I wanted to do that to, to try and 
play some games and I think that, that was a great experience for me. I was, I was still 19 and obviously I went there from January to the end of the season. Um, playing in the championship at, at 19 obviously was, was great for me to, to get that kind of men's football into you. I literally didn't know anyone at Watford when I went there. Um, but yeah, the boys were great there. I really enjoyed my time at Watford and I think it helped me a lot because obviously like I think everyone else tell you uh, playing for the reserves and stuff is great but when it's actually about three points and you can see how much is on the line for, for the club to win or lose a game, um, it makes you a better player and gives you a lot of experience and you see what football's actually like. When you come back, is it when McLeish is then in, re- you know, by the time you really get your next chance, Alex McLeish is manager, I believe. And he, if, if, I, if I can remember rightly, Darren Bent got injured, Robbie Keane went back, um, to LA Galaxy and that kind of opened up an opportunity for you. Is that, is that what happened? Yeah, so I came back, I said I went to, from January to the end of the season and then I remember I went away with Austria in, in, in August for the Under-20 World Cup it was. So I kind of missed the start of the season when, when Alex McLeish was uh, the manager and then I came back and I went back to Watford um, on loan. Actually, like it was meant to be a season-long loan again. Um but I, I was only there for three games and then they called me back. Aston Villa called me back because they had a few injuries and I started then, that must have been like October time, um, like coming off the bench for like the last five minutes, ten minutes. And then, like you said, in, in January, it was Robbie Keane came and then again, maybe five minutes at the end now and then. And then, yeah, Benty got injured, I remember. Robbie went back and then I think it was March is obviously the day when it really started. That was the longest I came on. It was against Fulham. It was like 20 minutes before the end. And obviously, that was the day I got my first goal. Um, and after that game is when it really kicked on and I pretty much started playing every game to the end of the season. So, how do you remember that goal then? I'm sure you handled it, didn't you? It was handball, wasn't it? Come on, be honest. <laughs> I don't think it was. I don't know how it wasn't. Because I, was, <laughs> I was obviously ahead of it and it bounced back. And yeah, I tried everything not to touch it in my hand. Um, I can't describe the feeling to be honest it was like obviously I'll never forget the day um, it was amazing it was the last minute obviously as well to get the winner your first goal Just, uh, yeah it was it was brilliant I think I'm right in thinking that Villa hardly won any games in you know I think that might have been their first win in 10 or something like that and then I think Villa stayed up just by kind of drawing a lot of games towards the end of the season that was a massive, massive goal, wasn't it? Not only for you personally, but for the football club that season. Yeah, there was a little bit of unrest, I think, because we, yeah, we didn't do well for quite, like you said, I can't remember how many games it was, but there's a few games that we, we didn't win. And yeah, like you say, for me personally, it was unbelievable. But I think for the for the team, it was a great lift to, to get a winner in the last minute. And then, yeah, I think we got a couple more wins. And, and yeah, I think we finished 15 for something from right in the end. So we, we yeah we stayed up comfortably enough and yeah and then obviously that's when I started kicking on after that. I think I'm right in saying that after that Fulham game you also scored against Stoke and I went and watched that that Stoke goal on YouTube last night and it was a nice little give and go with Stephen. I think I think Lehigh gives you the ball then you give it to Ireland. We'll play a one-two with Stephen Ireland and then just kind of curl it you know open your body up and curl it into the in the top corner. Is that, I'm probably missing some great goals that you scored for Villa here, but is that the best goal you scored in terms of, you know, to look at, in terms of the beauty of it? Probably, yes. Um, I wouldn't say it's my favourite one. 
obviously we'll get to that later, I'm sure. But um, yeah, it's probably the nicest one to look at. Yeah, I would say. So after after the, the Stoke game, we know Alex McLeish came and went, and um, Paul Lambert came in the following year and just seemed to really. No, I'm not, I'm not giving him all the credit. Cause it was you as well. Your career really lifted off from that moment when when Lambert arrived. Yes, I think it did. I think that's like. I think at the start of the season, I wasn't starting. I think it was about end of September, maybe start of October, when I um, I think it was like a League Cup game, I think. I, I think it was Swindon, if I'm right, where I started. And then I think we won. And then, to be fair, he said, like, you deserve to play again. And I think from that moment on, I I think I started pretty much every every game for the rest of the season. And, and obviously, yeah, when he was the manager, there's no denying that. I think that was the best best time of my career at Villa that, that I had. To be honest, I think obviously it was me, me, Gabby and Christian who, who played up front and I think we just kind of clicked. I think we had we had Christian, obviously he was he was unbelievable Like when he first came, his first season um, holding the ball up, scoring goals out of nowhere. Then obviously we had Gabby who, again, that season was brilliant with his pace and, and getting at people and stuff. And then I think I was on the other side just trying to work hard kind of and, and get in the box next to Christian and, and work off his knockdowns and it was just I think it just clicked between the three of us and yeah we, we had a great time together What was Christian like as a personality because we didn't get to, to really really know him what what was he like was he was he a good lad? Yeah he, he was um, he was he was quiet around the, around the ground but he was yeah he was always having a laugh to be fair he was always always nice to speak to um he wasn't like one of the loudest in the change room, but he was definitely like you could definitely have a laugh with him, and he was always like joking around. And I think again, I think for him coming from Belgium and the way he started his career in England was probably better than he thought he would. And he was, yeah, he was brilliant to play with. Like I, I always say, that was the best best strike I've played with, as in um, how good he was when I played with him. And what about Gabby? Would you ever? Do you reckon you could beat? You could beat. Well, probably could now, but you reckon you could beat him in a race? No, no chance. <laughs> um, I think I'm quick, but Gabby at that time was like, yeah, he was so fast. I mean, like you say, he's play, he played for like many, many years before I even started playing, and he was, they tell me he was even faster back then. So, yeah, he, you know, he was great. He was great. You say Christian wasn't one of the loudest voices in the dressing room, but Gabby must have been, hadn't he? Yeah, still is now, isn't he? He does all his. He's on the radio now, so that that suits him. But no, he, uh, he was he was always obviously you could hear Gabby's laugh from from a mile away. Was he? Did he tend to be the ringleader with all the kind of pranks and stuff? Yeah, Gabby, and then obviously had Shay came then, and Shay was involved in a few. And yeah, the Delphi. Delphi was always trying to play pranks. Uh, was else? I think Good Brad. Brad got involved a little bit. Brad Guzan. So yeah, there was a few. To be fair, of the older boys who did did a bit of the fun stuff. For the one I remember is obviously the one when was it she who left the fish in, in Delphi's car? <laughs> have you have you, um, have you heard that one? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, that, I yeah. think that that I remember that one. Um, yeah, that's that's probably the one I say is the is the best one when they. When they went in away game and he left, obviously the fish underneath his his bonnet. I think it was that was yeah, that was good. That was a good one. It must be a nightmare, you know, in dressing rooms, just not knowing who's going to strike next. I think it, yeah, I think it wasn't that bad, but I think if you if you did something, you kind of know you have to look look behind seeing because you know you're going to get it back. So I always I stayed out of it. I was alright. <laughs> 
So back on back on that season though, you obviously um I think you finished with twelve goals that year and the brace against Man United I think came that year, didn't it? Is that the one when Benteki left Chris Smalling on his backside and he set you up? Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. When he like kind of shoulder barged him and he went flying, yeah. We went two 0 up and I think it was Hernandez uh, came on at half time and I think it didn't go down as a hat trick because I think Ron was an own goal, I think, but obviously he came on at half time and pretty much got a hat trick to win the game. So that was, yeah, very frustrating because obviously, well, you never score two goals against United really and to be then on the losing side was obviously a bit frustrating. So you, you said a moment ago that we'd come to your favourite goal. Um, might, I might be wrong, but was it at Anfield or not? Or um, I think I've got, a, to be honest, I think I've got a couple who I was, like we talked about my first goal. Obviously that was the, the one I'll never forget because obviously it was my first first goal for Villa. Um, Anfield, I've got a, yeah the one where we where Christian back heeled it to me. That was a, a nice move. But obviously, I think the one for most fans would probably see as well was the win against Man City. Obviously, when then when there's a picture of me in front of the whole end celebrating again, that I'll never forget that that picture. I can't get it out of my head. Obviously, thinking about it. Have you got Have you got a copy of that picture? I've got one. Yes, not in the house, but uh, my parents have got it. Like in the living room, a big, a big like I don't know how long, but it's quite big in in like above their dining table. So, yeah, that's a uh, that's a great picture. I think it's probably one of the most iconic Villa pictures of recent years. It was the winner, wasn't it? I think I remember. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was boot up by Guzan, and it was helped, and I think by Kozak potentially. And it seemed to take ages to get. You just had the slightest of touches, and it rolled it past Joe Hart. And you were the. I think you were the only person in the ground who was convinced it was going to go in because you ran away to celebrate before it crossed the line. Obviously, I seen the uh, Joe Hart came out, and I just tried to flick it past him and then tap it in the net. But obviously, got a bigger touch on it than I thought I would. Um, yeah, I kind of chased after it for a few yards and then I seen the defender and I thought, he's not getting there. And then, yeah, I thought, that he, that's going in. And then obviously, yeah, I just set off celebrating. And even then, I think there's that picture. And then, like, I turned around and there's no one there because I was obviously so far ahead of everyone. And then to kind of turn back to the crowd and then it took a few seconds for everyone to, like, to, to come come to me to celebrate. But, yeah, that was a, that was a great day. Tell us what that feels like because, you know, I've been on, on that from the other side, been in the halt end at moments like that. But to actually be the, the man who kind of is at the centre of that, what what does that feel? Do you feel like you're kind of floating off the ground? Or Yeah, it's, it's a surreal feeling. I think obviously that in that picture as well, it, what's so good about it, I think you can see the expressions in all the fans. Obviously, you see me from behind, the, the fans, you see how much it means to them. And when you stand there and look at the crowd and you see about, I don't know, how many fit in the whole end, like 3,000, 4,000 people right in front of you and you see them all going crazy. I think there's no there's no better feeling in the world. That season, it just, it seemed to keep on rolling and to, it, it seemed that, like you said, yourself, um, Gabby and Christian Benteke were kind of un, undroppable. Did you feel like that was, the, that was the time, you know, that you were really going to kind of kick on from there? Yeah, I think obviously that, that first season, I was still kind of, I was still on my like reserve team contract, and then I did really well that season, and I obviously got a new contract. And I thought, like, like we can kick on here. I think we had a young, really young team, and I thought we could grow into like a decent team. Obviously, then the second season didn't go as well as the first one did. I'm not, I'm not like denying that that I wanted it to go better, but I still played a lot of games. I just think. 
I don't know, it was that teams worked us out a little bit because it was obviously the same front three maybe every game and people kind of knew what they were coming against maybe, but it just... Yeah, it didn't obviously work as well as it did in the first season. So, and again, forgive me ignorance, but we try when we get when we get players on, we try and get a bit of kind of insight into how these things work. You know, we talk about strikers and goal bonuses. Do they do they exist? If they do, I've never had one. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I I think they do, maybe, but yeah, I've never I've never had one. So, I'm not one of the lucky ones. <laughs> you need to get yourself a new agent again. Clearly, know, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> on that on that season again, when there were the twelve goals, I think there were some. As well as the Man United brace, the goal at Liverpool, I think I'm right in thinking you scored. You scored in the six-one against Sunderland as well. I think you scored in a three-two against QPR. I think you even scored away at Arsenal, which was a defeat. What does it do for you? Do you for your confidence? Do you suddenly think it feels a bit strange at first, and then you suddenly feel, think actually I belong here. I can do this. Is that is that is that the way it goes? Or? I think so. Yes, I think at first when you come through as like a young player, you kind of. Well, that's what I felt like anyway. You kind of think, are you, are you good enough to actually, like, what did the other players think of you when you, like, come through? Um, do they think you're good enough? Do you think, what's he doing here? And then when you obviously have a bit of success and you start playing and you kind of think, yeah, I deserve to be here and, and your confidence grows and you, you just enjoy being around. And, like, I talk, obviously, at, at Villa, playing at Villa Park every week was amazing. For I was, I think, that season... T- 21 probably 21 playing week in week out was was just unbelievable and then you think yeah I I never want this to end really I presume the the flip side of that is that life changes a little bit away from football in terms of you probably have to practice your autograph and you probably can't go for a meal or a pint anymore without without being noticed how did you cope with that the, the fame of being a Premier League player yeah I think it, it all happened quite quickly to be fair in, in my case like I said probably from that I play like maybe five or ten minutes now and then and then from that full and goal I started playing every game pretty much so yeah it was a change I think especially I was living in Sutton at the time and where you walking around everyone you can see everyone looking at you and you know they recognise you which is, is obviously a nice feeling because you, you kind of get a bit of pride knowing that you've obviously achieved something that they that they recognise you and then signing autographs I've, I've always enjoyed it I think that's why you want to be a footballer so people do recognise you and obviously I know I was when I was younger like I told you earlier I used to go to watch Rapid Vienna and for me seeing them I know what like other people felt like when they asked me for autographs so it was yeah it was always it wasn't, I didn't feel like harassed or anything it was just it was nice and I was, I was happy to do it Were you being recognised when you went back home to Austria then or was it still you, you could still kind of get get away you know being, being yeah. a bit more anonymous no, I think even now, if I go back, I probably wouldn't be recognised that much, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's definitely more over in England. Um, yeah, in Austria, I think I'd, no, not many people would recognise me, to be honest, which is obviously nice if I go home and I can spend time with my family and do whatever I want. So without being too nosy, where where did you you, you meet your, your wife then? Is she, is she a Brummy girl? Yeah, she's from Solihull, yeah. In, met her in Me Too. Oh, did you? <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I met her. Meet you. Um, I told her I was a painter and decorator <laughs> when I first met her. So, and she didn't have a clue. She don't, still doesn't don't know much about football now, to be honest. So, yeah, she she obviously believed me for a couple of weeks, and then her her brother's a big Villa fan. So, he obviously said that he's Andy Ryman. He's not a painter, and then that's how she found out. To be honest, 
So what 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 was the purpose of doing that? So she you know so she she wasn't a kind of you know a wag chasing footballers. It was just a kind of uh, uh, yeah. for you for you. Yeah, maybe I think I don't know. I just I always feel like not embarrassed, but kind of if people ask me what do you do, I even I don't know. I just don't like saying I'm a footballer. I don't know. I don't know why. To be honest, I think people might think is he talking rubbish or is he is he big time or whatever. But um, yeah, I just I just say that I'm a painter. And she obviously, yeah, she didn't have a clue, and that's how we started talking. And obviously, yeah, I'm with her now. So, what did she show? Show um, a brother a picture of you or something, and he, he exposed it. Or I think so. I think like she does a funny story because like that's how much she hasn't got a clue about football. It was um, the day after I met her, I went away with the national team, and I obviously was I got a number and I was texting her, and I had to say, yeah, I'm going away with the like to Austria like to the nationals and then like she thought I was like an international painter or something like that <laughs> so she was telling her brother I think and showed her what's up picture but yeah he's I started speaking to him the last couple of weeks and then he obviously recognized me straight away and then she asked me and I was like yeah I play football that's brilliant Are you any good at painting no <laughs> I've never done any painting in my life <laughs> you've married been married a few years now and you've got you've got two Two young kids. How old are your kids now, Andy? My son's five. He'll be, he'll be six in January, and my daughter's two. She'll be three in February. So, yeah. Have they shown it? I know that the, the little one's a bit too young, but has your lad shown any kind of um, footballing tendencies? Does he like like having a kick around in the garden? Um, not really, to be honest. He does. In, when we're in lockdown, just he, start, he wanted to play a little bit, but he's very sporty. To be fair, he's like he's good at. Like every sport he does, he's, he's like either swimming and uh, tennis, and like either, we try and keep him as sporty as we can. But there's not, we haven't, I haven't pushed him into football at all, to be honest. So pick, picking back up on 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 your career, so we had that brilliant year 2012-13. Um, you're flying, and then hoping that's going to carry on until 2014-15. Like you said, I think you were still quite a regular starter in in 2014-15. Was it when Tim Sherwood arrived towards the back end of that season that you started to realise that you might have to look elsewhere? Or I think so, yes. I think up until like Paul Lambert obviously left, I think it was in February, I think. Um, I pretty much again played every game or near enough every game. And then, um, yeah, when Tim, Tim Sherwood came in, I think I didn't, I didn't start one game. So obviously, kind of, to me, it obviously looked like I wasn't, really in his plans and obviously the one that hurt me the most which I'll, I'll tell openly was the the cup final because um I've been involved on the bench uh coming in or coming on I've been at least on the bench every single game or the like I didn't miss one game all season I don't think I missed a training session all season and then obviously we got to the cup final and obviously coming through the youth team it was massive and yeah I I missed out I wasn't even on the bench so that was the one that hurt me the most. And obviously from that moment, kind of, I was like, yeah, I don't see a future here if, if he's just the manager, to be honest. Did you travel down in the team hotel for the cup final? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I think there was 20 in the squad and obviously two of us missed out. I think it was I think it was Matty, Matty Loughton who missed out as well, I think. So, yeah, but yeah, obviously that, that hurt me a lot, to be honest. Because um, it was obviously for Villa, for me, it was a big day. And like I said, I, I didn't miss it game or a training session and then to be left out of that that game was yeah it wasn't nice 
did Tim Sherwood pull you aside at any time to, to, to talk about why you weren't kind of in his plans? I went, obviously I went to see him, I think. It wasn't actually about um, any football reason. I think it was, if I remember right, it was my wife's granddad, I think, his funeral. So I kind of went to see him, I think it was like a week before the season finished to ask if obviously I can have the day off and go to the funeral. And then he obviously, we started talking a little bit about, about myself and my how it's going and stuff. And I think he just he just said, um, he thinks it's like, I kind of need a change, a kind of change of scenery. And obviously then I knew kind of that, yeah, it's, if the manager says that to you, it's, it's time to go. So with that conversation and with the disappointment of the cup final, did it take a lot of time for you to kind of process it in your own mind and to come to terms with it? Or were you quite, are you quite good at saying, right, okay, one adventure's gone, let's let's start the next one? From the moment, like I said, when we talked over, from the moment I actually started playing in the first game, I think I, I played always, I always played. So I wasn't good being on the bench. It was just like I wasn't happy. So kind of knowing that I wasn't going to play, I wasn't really thinking about, like, staying because obviously like I said the manager said I think I need a new challenge and I need a change so I wasn't too disappointed I was more looking forward to like trying to get a move and, and, and playing again because like every footballer tell you it doesn't matter how long your contract is if you're not playing you you're not happy and and obviously I wasn't so I wanted I wanted to, to move on as quickly as possible to be honest. So without making you you think back about it too much that, that cup final you just sat sat on the bench and watched, I presume, that must have been a fairly... Well, it was depressing watching from the stands. Um, it must have been a fairly depressing afternoon for you. Yeah, well, I wasn't even on the bench. I was behind the bench in the in my suit um, watching it. But, yeah, it was obviously great getting there. The semi-final was, was a great day, obviously. Um, yeah, but obviously Arsenal were just too good for us on the day in the final. That, yeah, it was yeah doubly disappointing that we didn't win it and that we... But obviously, I didn't didn't even make the bench. So after that, then is it a case of your kind of agent putting out the feelers for for other clubs, letting people know that you might be available, um, and then you just waiting to see what develops? It all happened pretty quick, to be honest. There was a few clubs who who called my agent straight away when obviously I I told my agent that I kind of not in the plans. I think it was literally I think this cup final was always like the last weekend of May, isn't it? So it must have been I don't know twenty eighth of May or something, and then. By early June, I was already like close to signing for Derby, so it it, it happened really quick. Because, like, luckily, like I say, I played pretty much for the last three seasons every game, so my my name kind of was was still out there, and I, I still had a good reputation. So, I had a few clubs to choose from, and and for me, looking at it, Derby was the best one. Again, didn't work out as I wanted to because we didn't get promoted, which was obviously the plan. But um, from my point of view, yeah, that was the best move for me. And so the day when it comes to kind of clear out your locker at Bodymore and say farewell, what what's that like? Yeah, again, I I don't I didn't really have it like that because the season was finished and it was in June and everyone obviously was was on holidays. Um, and for me as well, I think it was um, I was in Portugal on holiday when they finally agreed a fee with Derby, and I kind of just flew back for the day, did my medical, signed flew back to Portugal and then obviously luckily like I say my house is in, in Dorridge so I just literally quickly walked drove to a training ground at Villa grabbed my stuff and obviously I, the only people I saw was like the security people 
uh, grab my stuff, got my boots and, and, and set off. And then obviously I texted everyone and everyone sent me a text. Um, but yeah, I didn't actually, actually see everyone when I was going in. It's quite sad that, isn't it? Because in, in other in other jobs, in other professions, you'd have a big leaving do when there'd be a party and all that kind of thing. But in football, it's just, all right, see ya. Thanks for that. See you later. Yeah, that, that's what it was at Villa. To be fair, Derby, when I, when I left Derby to Bristol, it was kind of, I was training in the morning when it got agreed and stuff. And then they all gave me, like, all the boys were in the change room. I said bye to everyone. So that was a little bit different. But yeah, when I left Villa, it was literally, it was in June, it was in the in the summer holiday. So there's, there's no one there. I think I've read some quotes from when you joined Derby and left Villa from you. And I think you said, I think you described it really nicely, actually, as saying, I've, I've, I kind of leave with a teardrop in my eye. Did it feel like that it was the right time to go, though? You know, as much as you'd have loved to to gone on and had another three or four years like that 2012, 13 year, yeah. it, felt, it felt the natural time to go. Yes, of course. I, I'd be lying to say I didn't want to stay. Of course, I wanted to stay. But like I said, I, I just, with like Tim Sherwood as the manager, obviously he didn't, didn't see what Paul Lambert saw in me and I just felt like I wouldn't have a chance of, of playing regularly and I had one year left on my contract again I could have stayed but like I said that's not me I, I want to I want to play in every week and I want to be be happy and I wasn't for them three months and yeah it was yeah, it was definitely the right decision for myself to to move on. Was it the first time that you played against Villa for Derby that you scored? I watched that goal Last night again. I think Glenn Whelan set it up, actually. I think there was a... There was yeah, a, he tried to pass it back. Uh, yeah, and um, I think he passed it straight to Vidra and he, he crossed it and I just had to tap in, yeah. I've seen some great celebrations from you down the years. I've seen the kind of, you know, the sharp shooting celebration and I've seen the hands aloft in front of the whole end and, and all these kind of things. I watched that Derby one against Villa last night and I think you you, you kind of half celebrated, didn't you? Yeah, no, obviously... I, I knew that if I would score, I'd try not to celebrate. But in that moment, it's hard to think of that because when you score a goal, it's like I said, there's no better feeling. But I think I kind of hit it in the net and, and like turned to my right for a couple of yards and then obviously didn't stop and like, like I say, held my hands up. And yeah, I didn't I didn't want to celebrate because like I say, I, I, I still follow Villa now. I've still got a great love for them. And I was there for eight years, so it's a long time. And they gave me obviously my chance in England so yeah I, I wouldn't celebrate looking back Andy now and we've got a little bit of time you know five five years on I think we're talking now aren't we how would you sum up your time at Aston Villa yeah brilliant I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything I think like I say coming through the youth team I think like when you're in the youth team obviously your your dream is to play in the first team like I was lucky enough to, to get there then another dream is to play in the Premier League and I'm I think I played over 100 games there for Villa so yeah, it was it was brilliant. Like I said, of course, I would wanted it to be longer, but I think overall, uh, I only look back with happy memories and, and I had a brilliant time there. You've had a horrible year, haven't you? To be honest, I think you had the the, the COVID diagnosis that that kind of laid you low early in the summer. Then you've come back, kind of raring to go, scored a couple of goals to to start the season, and and now you've you've suffered this this horrible injury again. Um, I suppose you just want to get 2020 out of the way, like most of us, and, and see what 2021 brings, don't you? I think everyone does, yeah. Everyone wants to get rid of 2020. But, yeah, no, I think I've kind of got over the disappointed now. I think I'm already looking forward. I am I'm positive anyway, but I was talking about it with other people. And I think since that injury we talked about, uh, Rapid Vienna, I don't think I've been injured since. And I think in the last four years, I've barely missed the training session. So... 
if you want to look at it that way, I think I've been lucky with injuries. So kind of think I'll be all right. I'll get through this, and and hopefully I can then be fit. I miss probably most of, if not all, of this season. But I'm looking forward to coming back. It's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. I hope we've, we've killed an hour of your time to move yeah, away from thank you. Netflix doc- documentaries and stuff like that. But like I said, thanks thanks for the kind of the great moments no that, that you gave us during your time at Aston Villa. And um, thanks for being such a thoroughly thoroughly great. But I can't believe you're 29, 30. You're still, like I said to you on the on the messages, yeah. you're still like this young little kind of whip yeah. in the academy. I've still got a little bit. I'm not 30 till August, so I'll still say I'm, I'm only 29. But yeah, it's, I'm getting there. But I think I've got a few years, a few years left in me, hopefully. No, brilliant. Thanks for that, mate. All the best. Perfect. No problem. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.